0: This is The Cable. Big bid on 10-year treasuries over the last week. Tech story is front and centre. A lot of people saying, no, thank you, step back. You're saying, get in, why? Your connection from the London market close to the US market action.
1: A significant sell-off in European assets. The
0: dollar a little bit stronger today. This is a stock that is increasingly being shorted. The Cable. An historic moment from which there can be no turning back. With Jonathan Farrow and Guy Johnson
2: on Bloomberg Radio.
0: Good afternoon, good afternoon to the city of London. You are listening to The Cable Live across the capital on DAB Digital Radio. Alongside Guy Johnson, I'm Jonathan Ferro as we receive the final inflation print of the week going into an FOM decision next week, Guy Johnson, with rate cut bets firmly on deck. July's on, isn't it? Look, Look, if you had that view going into the inflation print, I believe you now still have that view because we came in just a little bit softer.
1: Yeah, I think we're at eight. Fed fund futures. If you take a look at it on your Bloomberg, we're now at eighty percent. I the exercise now, the the game now is whether or not the Fed wants to confirm that, um, and I think it's going to be a high wire act. I think for the Fed, which may be now regretting having a press conference after every meeting, but hey ho, can't get everything you want. Um, and I think it's going to be a really difficult one. How I the, the market's got a lot priced in now. And it's daring the Fed to deliver upon it. And if the Fed doesn't want to go as aggressively as the market is pricing, it's got to figure out the right kind of language to walk the market back in but do it in a way that doesn't cause any disruption.
0: Well, not just the language. It's unfortunate timing for them. It's not just that they have a news conference at every single meeting. They would have had one at this meeting anyway because they? they have okay. the they have the summary of economic projections uh, yeah. at the coming meeting. And this guy is where things get really complex. I imagine Chairman Powell would have loved just to have a news conference and a statement and go home. The dots are just something he's not going to be able to get away from. So they're all going to come out and put in their dot for where they think rates should be for this year and then we'll all look at the median dot and right now the median dot implies one rate hike this year and the market's looking for what two perhaps even three, you've got Barclays looking for 50 basis points, Yeah. yeah two, three cuts versus their one hike, so there's a big spread between the market and the Fed and everybody initially is going to look to see how that reconciles around that median dot, just how much does that come in, do we come down to zero is that enough? Um I think moving any more
1: aggressively than that would be would be a game changer. Um, I think this is something the Fed is going to want to do incrementally, um, and it's not going to. This is not going to be like flipping a coin. Um, it's not from one side to the. We're not going from cuts to to, to sorry from hikes to significant cuts. I think the the, the market. The, there is no advantage in anybody in any central bank around the world at the moment, yeah. doing anything that is precipitous. No, and I agree I did, with you. Not- and I think it's just going to be a, we'll will we'll, we'll move, but we're, it's going to be baby steps. So I think the market, if the market is expecting the Fed to come out and be uber dovish, I think it's just, we, we need to sort of figure out a different set of kind of metrics for understanding how we should perceive this.
0: I'm just trying to get my head around if they do move the median dot because all of them get together and drop their drop their calls for rate hikes this year guy what their forecasts look like because their forecasts right now are already well south of the consensus view on Wall Street their forecast right now 2.1 percent for GDP for the year 1.9 percent in 2020 2.5 percent is the median forecast of yep. economists on Wall Street for this year 1.9 percent for 2020. So how do they validate, justify a move in their forecast on rates when it's unlikely you'll see a substantial readjustment to their forecast on growth?
1: I don't think that's a problem, actually. I think they just simply... It's how you characterise the cut. Is this cut designed to keep the economy from rolling over, i.e. it is a recession preventer, or is it about keeping the expansion which is old but has the potential to keep going, and I don't think those two things necessarily are contradictory. Um, but I think the Fed's biggest challenge is, is how it deals with how the China story is going to develop. Um, we've got a big meeting coming up. It could have a major impact on market pricing. Um, and I think that's the problem that the Fed faces. Um, let's get some headlines. Let's come back to this conversation. Charlie Pellet. to that point... What is going on? We're a
3: very busy day indeed. Developing story right now involving Facebook shares in the U.S. down 2%. Wall Street Journal says internal emails show CEO Mark Zuckerberg knew of, quote, questionable privacy practices. Boris Johnson says he does not want a no deal Brexit, but the country must prepare for one as a negotiating tactic. Dialing down his earlier rhetoric, the favorite to replace Theresa May says he wants, quote, a sensible, orderly divorce, but he vowed to leave the block on October. October 31st, a target the Chancellor of the Exchequer Philip Hammond has said was impossible. And software maker CrowdStrike Holdings soaring in its trading debut this morning here in the U.S. after raising $612 million in one of the biggest ever initial public offerings for a cybersecurity f- company. Shares up now by roughly 75%. That is the latest news, uh, latest from the news desk.
0: Jonathan Farrow, back to you. Charlie Pellet, thank you, sir. We'll see Charlie in 20. 20- Five minutes time. Alistair McKay joining us on the phone, now Director of Investment Management at Fernwealth. Hello to you, Al. Weigh in on the Fed debate, please.
4: Uh, evening, uh, fellas. Yeah, I, I think there's a fair discrepancy between what markets want and what uh, economists are projecting. And um, and I guess the, the, the fact that we've seen, I don't know, intra weak volatility being so uh, prone to um, jitters. Through the um, social media, as much as anything else, to Trump tweets has really seen the Fed. I guess having having to adapt the way they they communicate with the public, um, and the way that they they communicate with the investment community as well, and. Possibly because of that, they're finding themselves in, in trouble or they're finding themselves being backed slightly into a corner. There's a fair discrepancy between um, the dot uh, plots and, um, and whether the, the futures markets are pricing in uh, rates, uh, rate cuts. Um, and right here, right now, I think... Um, it's not a small discrepancy as well. The high 70s, low 80s expectations of a rate cut in July is pretty heavily factored in. You don't see it, you're going to see a market reaction fairly aggressively on the back of it.
1: So would you sell or buy treasuries at this point?
4: Well, when it comes to the debt markets, we've For a long, long time, you guys have been asking us what we've been looking at and where we're going. And the debt markets, just because of the low yields, we've we've been steering clear of them more broadly anyway. I I don't see this um, aiding the the debt markets in in any shape or form in the short term or even the medium term for that matter.
0: Speaking of equities, caught up with Paul Tudor-Jones earlier this morning, asked him whether... The rate cut 101 trades were ready to go. He said, yeah. I said, what does that mean for stocks? He said, you want to be long stocks initially? I said, what does the initially part mean? And he said, well, at the turn of the year, basically this is what he was inferring, at the turn of the year, that was the time to get long. But he thinks you should stay long and you should stay long into that first cut. Al, what do you think about that?
4: Um, I I think we... We were long of markets at the beginning of the year. We have been long of equity markets and equities um, over the course of the year. But that being said, from certainly April onwards, we have been uh, reducing that ratio of that exposure, and we've been encouraging clients to to look at um, you know a broader a broader mentality and, and reducing risk on equities. Yes, I think there is still more to go, but my enthusiasm for how much more and for how much longer diminishes certainly by the week. Um, and we're sort of structuring ourselves with that kind of mentality in place. That's
1: interesting. I look, it, it, I'm hearing some people saying that we are we are potentially about to kind of get into that euphoric phrase where equity markets have the potential with the Fed signaling that it's kind of cutting cutting rates to keep things going for a little bit longer. You end up with an amazing amount of kind of liquidity out there. And that And liquidity is probably the most important factor for equity markets. And if that continues, then you're going to continue to see equities being driven higher. One sector where we are not seeing equities going higher today is oil stocks, both sides of the Atlantic under pressure. Oil kind of feels a little bit like uh, the tail that's wagging the dog at the moment. We'll talk more about that, plus the situation in Hong Kong. This is Bloomberg.
2: This is The Cable with Jonathan Farrow and Guy Johnson on Bloomberg Radio.
1: Good evening, good evening. You're listening to The Cable. We are live on DAB Digital Radio in the London area. Let's talk about what we've seen in the pound action uh, over the last half hour. The cable rate now trading at 126. We have a 126 handle, 126.95. The reason for the drop that we have seen today uh, is that the government won the day in the House of Commons this afternoon against the Labour Party motion, which was designed to create parliamentary time for Parliament to block a no-deal Brexit. So that hasn't gone through, so that ain't going to happen. We've also seen Boris Johnson launching his campaign uh, to be Prime Minister today. He says he doesn't want a hard Brexit, he wants a pragmatic Brexit, uh, but he still wants the UK to leave the EU in October on Halloween on the 31st, with or without a deal. Alison McKay, Director of Investment Management at Fern Wealth, still with us. Um, If Boris becomes Prime Minister, does that change the outlook for UK assets?
4: and it changes the global view of the UK, I think it would be fair to say. Um, I, I know he's the front-runner in, in this. Um, um, I, I, I think it does raise some pretty big question marks over the, the, the way that the UK will will work, um, and I think I'd, I'd expect to see um, a few more um fiascos materialising in the uh, months and, and years ahead. Um, but it does, I suppose, raise the, the increase the chances of the UK leaving the EU without a deal. That being said, um, I, I do kind of tend to agree to, with him in so much as the UK does need to plan to leave without a deal because there's no point in playing a poker game with all your cards face up. Um, you've got to have some of them face down or at least have the ability to do a bit of bluffing. Um, and um, I think uh, that the House of Commons has rather uh, hamstrung um, Theresa May previously and what she's been able to do. So his mentality on this, I I think I kind of tend to agree with. I wouldn't want him to see him ultimately utilising that, but at least being uh, bold enough to say, I will if needs be, is is probably the right mentality.
0: Well, a bluff is only effective if it's credible, and saying that you're willing to go there is not sufficient. Um, Do you think that Boris Johnson playing the same card as the Prime Minister is credible? But if you don't give us a good deal, we're out. We leave. We walk I think away. Because of
4: the, I think because of the role that Boris Johnson played in the referendum, that the EU certainly are going to take this loss considerably more seriously. And to be honest with you, I, I think he's you know, I, I think he it wouldn't take too much more uh, of a nudge for him to actually go down that route and, and push push comes to shove, leave without a deal um he's he's um he, you know he's trying to appease both parts of the party here and get himself into the driving seat and then once he's in the driving seat i think history would suggest he'll harden his stance on being willing to to leave without a deal
1: why do you say that i would have thought he'd become more pragmatic at that point
4: <laughs> i <clears throat> i don't know that's just my take on on um on boris what he's done historically and and the way he's gone about things, I think. But, um,
1: but, but this, this whole, this like in some ways, the whole Brexit process for Boris has been all about achieving one thing, and that's not Brexit. That's Boris Johnson as Prime Minister. Once he gets there, once he gets what he wants, how, I, doesn't doesn't the game change for him now? It, it becomes an issue of sustainability at that point, doesn't it? Um, he doesn't want to be out and out quickly. He'll want to maintain his position at the head of the UK government for as long as possible. If he goes down a hard Brexit route, the chances of a general election have got to go up, haven't they?
4: Well, I, I think <clears throat> I think anyone... He, he would have had the ability, or I think he had the ability, an easier ability to, to gain leadership some, some considerable time ago. Didn't go down that road, didn't put his name into that in the previous rounds, um, and has done this time. I I think he's he got stabbed in the yeah, got stabbed in the
1: back by Gove last time.
4: That's true. That is true. I, I think um, it's. It, I suppose it is one thing to say things before you get into this into the driving seat, and then once you're there, you know he might well feel pressures um, in in different areas that he hasn't previously yeah. felt the need to react to.
0: Al, great to have you with us. Still got no idea what a pragmatic Brexit <laughs> actually is. I'm coming up on the program, we'll take you to Hong Kong and get you the latest to the protests that continue into the night. This is Bloomberg.
2: This is The Cable with Jonathan Farrow and Guy Johnson on Bloomberg Radio.
0: This is The Cable, live across the capital on DAB Digital Radio. You are listening to Bloomberg Radio alongside Guy Johnson. I'm Jonathan Farrow. At the close today, a little bit softer on the FTSE, negative four-tenths of 1% on the S&P 500. Small move lower in yesterday's session to break the run of... Gains, five straight days of gains going into yesterday, just a little softer and then a little lower once more, down by a third of one percent on the S&P 500 into today's session. Halfway through the trading point, trading session of the day in the bond market, yields lower by two or three basis points on a 10 year. On a two year note, we come in by five basis points. The inflation print in America a little bit early today, coming in slightly below Expectations. That means the front end is bid as we expect the Federal Reserve seemingly to maybe tee up a rate cut call. That's what many people are expecting. We're in five basis points on a two-year to 1.87%. In the FX market, the story as follows for G10. The dollar stronger against pretty much everything, including the euro down a tenth of 1% and much more so against the pound as uh, the wish to try and block a hard Brexit is once again not granted. Cable, 126.99, the pound softer, by around about two-tenths of one percent. To Hong Kong we go now, where police in Hong Kong called it a riot situation. Thousands of protesters demonstrating against the proposal to allow extraditions to China. The protesters throwing bricks and other objects at police. Officers responding with pepper spray and water cannon. That's led Hong Kong Legislative Council to postpone debate on the extradition plan. Critics saying the measure would blow up the legal wall intending to keep Hong Kong's justice system separate from China's. And Guy, there's a real debate now worldwide. To what degree would this bill, if it was passed, to what degree would it damage the autonomy of China? the region, and ultimately what that would mean for the special treatment the United States and others are giving that region itself. Because in the United States, a conversation has begun that Hong Kong at the moment, whether it should retain special trading status. And if they do start to go down the road where they start to conclude that it shouldn't, then we've got a real story, a real economic story on our hands. Absolutely. So a number of things going on
1: here. First of which I would say that, yes, that Hong Kong peg, the Hong Kong dollar peg, which is so dependent on that separation that you talk of, John, could potentially be at risk. Carl Bass has been talking about that story out of Dallas a lot recently, and it really does come down to the politics. The second thing is I think this overlaps with what's happening with the trade story, which I think is so important to the markets at this stage. The Chinese clearly see this as a domestic story. They clearly see this as being their sphere of influence. They have hegemonic power over Hong Kong. Uh, It is uh, two systems, one country, uh, but they're also exerting their authority and the upcoming uh, elections that are going to take place in Taiwan as well. What is more important for the Chinese, exerting their hegemonic authority over the region or the trade deal? Because you wonder at some point whether or not they will have to pick. The administration in Washington will come under considerable pressure if people end up being killed in this demonstration. If this starts to look anything like Tiananmen Square, then I think the authorities in Beijing are going to have a significant problem here. I think it's a really delicate balancing act, particularly with the G20 coming up, John.
0: Well, first of all, we're not there yet. And, Ghan, I know no. that you believe that too. But the, uh, the territorial influence, I think, is the priority at the moment for the Chinese. And I imagine you might be agreeing with that as well. I just think it's going to be so interesting to see the stance that the United States yeah. takes... Typically, you'd expect the U.S. to to say a few things and maybe not follow through on anything. Um, The President of the United States, I just think, is incredibly unpredictable. And I've got no idea what he's going to say about the situation.
1: He's going to have a press conference a little bit later on. Uh, We've also seen Nancy Pelosi talking already, though. And I wonder whether or not that will be a catalyst for, his to say him, for him to say something as well. But I think he'll be seeing this in the context of the upcoming G20 meeting. He'll be seeing this in the context of what's happening with the trade story. But this goes to the, the kind of the wider story that I think is going on between the United States and China at the moment. A lot of comparisons being drawn with the period after 1945, um, the, the kind of division of Europe and other regions, China clearly sees this as its backyard and the United States still has a significant military presence in the region there is talk of uh, a big big arms deal uh, and selling new weapons to Taiwan I this comes down to the kind of the intersection of the geopolit- sort of the geopolitical nature the the kind of combative nature the the kind of the kinetic kind of element of this conflict which it may may kind of start to feel like I think and what's happening with trade so yeah I think this is a really important moment. Al let's bring you back into the conversation I, the, the geopolitics the, the, the I think this kind of goes to the heart of, of how the markets are going to respond to a to a trade deal that may or may not come out between Xi Jinping and and the President of the United States if we believe that this is part of a bigger conflict, why should we believe that a trade deal is going to stick?
4: Well, I, I think um, it's worth remembering in the timeline of this, there is still another 28 years before the the, the sort of final handover, as it were, expires, and those, those basic laws uh, expire too. So been, I guess people, most of us, thought that there was Quite a while yet before this was going, this, this sort of thing was going to materialize. But this was always going to, there was always going to be a period of, of, of time when there was going to be a lot of um, internal Chinese pressures to change the way that, that Hong Kong behaves, acts, and, and adheres to the broader rules. Um, and, you know, it, there's only a relative minority of the population of Hong Kong actually feel like they're Chinese. And the majority still feel more like they're from Hong Kong. Um, and it's a whole generational thing. As far as the U.S. is concerned, I fear that this may well just muddy the waters as far as Trump is concerned um, in in the, the the trade negotiations, and could become another another sticking point and another area of bonus contention as far as he's concerned, and and is probably more likely to delay and confuse the situation rather than anything else. Uh, and that that's certainly, I think, something that the markets will be watching pretty closely for.
0: The president's saying that Hong Kong and China should be able to work it out. Um, but he's also hopeful that we can get a deal. The president says he expects to make a deal with China, and that uh, if they don't make a deal, he'll put tariffs on $325 billion <laughs> of Chinese goods. So there we go. Not much nuance to all of that. Guy, I know he's got to run. You're going to head over to Switzerland. So looking forward to catching up with you tomorrow, sir. And to uh, Alistair McKay, Director of Investment Management at Fernwealth. Gentlemen, thank you. Speak to you tomorrow, Guy. Safe trip.
1: Yep. Off to, off to Bern to talk to the. It's a beautiful uh, the boss part
0: of the, the world. Love beautiful it. Beautiful part of the world. Have fun. Up next on the program, The View from Wall Street.
2: This is The Cable with Jonathan Farrow and Guy Johnson on Bloomberg Radio.
0: This is The Cable live across the capital on DAB Digital Radio. Guy Johnson running off to the airport to get a plane to Switzerland. Beautiful Bern, Switzerland, to catch up with the Swiss National Bank tomorrow. Looking forward to Guy and his coverage tomorrow on this programme. So look out for that in around about 24 hours time. And the markets today to get you up to speed with some of the price action. This is how we closed in London. The FTSE 100, negative four-tenths of 1%. The S&P 500, softer by two-tenths of 1%. We roll over on the NASDAQ by about four-tenths of 1%. Just a brief break to the big rally we saw over the previous five days before yesterday. Going into yesterday, a five-day winning streak and a gain of almost 5% too. Then we close just a little bit lower and we add a little bit more to that move today. In the FX market more broadly for the dollar we bounce back, a stronger one against the euro, against the pound too, the cable softer by around about a third of 1% as the Brexit discussion rages on. The prospect of stopping anyone, any leader, any government from going through with no deal. slapped down once again in Parliament. Boris Johnson unveiling his ambitions as well. So so much to get through there too. As far as the economic economic data is concerned. The main data point of the morning in the United States was, of course, US CPI coming in a little bit lot softer than expected. That drove a bit into the front end of the yield curve, two-year yields down by five basis points to 1.883%. The president speaking at the moment on a range of issues, including Hong Kong. He says that China and Hong Kong should be able to work it out He's clearly taken a step back from that issue and not stepping in. On the issue of a trade deal, he expects to make a deal with China. And he uh, said, if we don't, we'll slap tariffs on $325 billion of Chinese goods outside of all of that. He says he may move some troops from Germany to Poland. And he's considering sanctions to block the Nord Stream 2 gas pipeline. And just crossing the Bloomberg as well. So much to get through. Let's get you some top stories to begin with. Let's say hello to Charlie
3: Perry. Hi, thank you very much, Jonathan Farrow. Indeed, lots to get through. Let's begin with Hong Kong, where the executive, chief executive Hong Kong of uh, Carrie Lam urging a return to order at the close of a day that saw police use tear gas to stop protesters from storming the legislative chamber, where lawmakers intended to take up a bill allowing extraditions to China. The Legislative Council delayed its debate on the proposal after thousands of demonstrators swarmed the government complex Facebook Uncovered emails that seem to show CEO Mark Zuckerberg was aware of potentially problematic privacy practices at the company, this according to The Wall Street Journal, which cites people familiar with the matter. And in the United Kingdom, the food delivery service Deliveroo planning a major expansion after securing $575 million in funding from Amazon and other investors. London-based Deliveroo has raised $1.5 billion in venture capital since it was founded in 2012. It now wants to reach half of the UK's population of 65 million by the end of this year. That's up from the 33% who currently use its mobile app. Latest from the news desk, Jonathan Farrow, back to you.
0: Very cool service, Charlie. I've used it many times. I've never used
3: any delivery service anywhere oh, really? anywhere in the world. Are we, th- I've said it to you before, are we,
0: have we become that lazy that we can't even get out of our seats to go pick up something? I agree Absolutely with you. Absolutely, we have. It's an issue. I, Charlie, I'd just like to dabble just to understand what people are talking about, just to experience what the consumer is confronted with these yeah, days. You've
3: used it many times. You don't want to get off your couch. That's what What's it is, plain and simple. like?
0: Just, you know, is Deliveroo
3: any it's good? It's what it's are some, Amazon investing in? Somebody who shows up with a food delivery order. Go down to the corner store, pick it up yourself. They I can it. say. They na- on a
0: bike, don't they, Sarah?
5: Yeah, they deliver it on a bike, but We are now at a point where I can say many people I know will order in from restaurants that are maybe two blocks away from their apartment. I know people that do that. Yeah, you have to get changed, you have to go downstairs. It can be a hassle, yeah, and,
0: and such a hassle. But, <laughs> but listen,
3: one of the things that, that has changed too here in New York is you've got these so-called ghost restaurants popping up. You heard about this phenomenon, Jonathan? That's
0: a restaurant you can't actually eat in. Yeah, correct, they but they will the deliver. They
3: and... will deliver to your home. Really? Uh, absolutely fat. You know, so it says Ponzek's restaurant, but it doesn't exist. When in reality, it's a catch a kitchen. I've on got on some a-
0: breaking news. Yeah, Sarah Ponzek has tried beyond Meat.
5: <laughs> I have. I promised I would on Friday, and it happened over the weekend. And I've got to say, I said I was going to be the tiebreaker, John. I know you said it didn't count as a tiebreaker, but yeah, I enjoyed it. I tried the Beyond Sausage product, and I thought it was pretty impressive.
3: You know, I'm glad you're here today. It's a shame that Luke Kawa from Canada isn't here today. Did you see the big news out of Canada today? What did Luke Tim, say? Tim, well, no, he, he didn't say anything. But <laughs> Luke, but, breaking news. not uh, Luke breaking news. Whenever no, he no, no. But he would love to react to this because Tim Hortons we tell me a lot about which, which is like a religious experience in Canada it's a donut store it's a donut but but they are trying out this fake meat in their restaurants and oh, that wow. is that is sending the stock up today i think they've got something like 4500 outlets across canada
5: i'll check with luke after this we sit right next to each other in the newsroom but i can i can probably tell you outright that he's probably disappointed by this because luke kawa is a huge meat fan Oh, he is. Oh, yes.
0: Yeah. Oh, there He's a big, you go. Big cook as well, Charlie. Yes. Yeah, is you he? See, yeah, 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 massive. Massive. Yeah. I mean, you two wouldn't get on. No, 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 <laughs> no. That said, I, 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 if I wasn't married, I would eat zero
3: meals at home. I, I mean, I, you know, well, I you like, just go out and eat all yeah, the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: I like all the time. I like, like the take out food. Yeah, uh, right. Exactly. Whether so you like takeout food? But you just like to go to the restaurant g- to pick That up. is a
3: hundred percent.
0: Yes. I, you know, I like. I don't mind. What the is walk. it about that exchange, that experience that you enjoy? Because
3: there are nice people. You know, they might throw in an extra fortune cookie, or might throw in oh, an you, appetizer you, It's worth you know. going
0: around the corner for an no, extra fortune. No, it isn't because
3: I like I like the people who i deal with i like the face-to-face interaction you know do you think you get a better meal No, not necessarily but you know but listen i think you might you might
5: might. by the time people get to you on a bike they may have been riding their bike for how long it gets to you it's cold it happens all the time yeah
3: but 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 that too, too you know just the experience of going to a restaurant regular customer they always hook me up whether it's a beer when i sit down an extra appetizer they know me and i reward them with my loyalty
0: there you go. You're a loyal man, Charlie, and I uh, appreciate you know, that on this nothing... program too. Every day, twice an hour. Yeah, unbelievable. Like very, clockwork. Very, very loyal. But you know what,
3: Jonathan Farrell? You make the experience worthwhile.
0: Thank you. And, and I, I got to tell world.
3: you, just let me take you taking you back between you and Guy Johnson, top of the hour, the conversation about interest rates. It, it was
0: absolutely fascinating, In, insightful. I think is the word. Insightful. Thanks. I'm just going to take it, even if you've been disingenuous.
3: No, Charlie, I'm not, I'm, not I'm. Sarah, did I sound disingenuous? No. no. Charlie is so <laughs> genuine. I, you know,
0: sincere, but but it was really, really good. I'll catch up with you tomorrow, Charlie. My pleasure. I appreciate it. Have a great day. The wonderful Charlie Pellet there, sharing us with compliments. I don't know why. We'll find out tomorrow, I assume, or in the next couple of hours. We are approaching the, uh, the close in New York, three, four hours away. Sarah, stocks are a little bit softer. It just feels like every day is just the drumbeat into one big event, and it takes place next week, this time next week.
5: That is absolutely what is going on. And you mentioned stocks a little bit lower. Volumes are very, very low as well. And I hate to say it because every time we get to a week like this when nothing much, nothing huge is going on and we are awaiting an event like the Federal Reserve meeting next week, everyone starts reverting to the phrase wait and see. And I can tell you that multiple investors have used that phrase already to me yesterday and today as we have seen the stock rally come to a halt or at least hold off for now, because the fact of the matter is next week is going to be very, very important. Right now, you look at what bonds are doing. You look at the rally that we have seen in stocks, which much of it has been predicated on the idea that the Fed will actually cut rates sooner than later. And next week, we get to hear from Jerome Powell himself, and we'll get to see if this is the truth or not.
0: One more stop through the economic journey before we get to that FOMC decision and its retail sales on Friday. Next up on the programme, I'll run you through the next couple of days and tee you up for a big week next week as we count you down to an FOMC decision. Bloomberg Sarah Ponczak sticking with us. This is Bloomberg.
2: This is The Cable with Jonathan Farrow and Guy Johnson. On Bloomberg Radio
0: This is The Cable Live across the capital on DAB Digital Radio. You are listening to Bloomberg Radio. Guy Johnson Already on his way to the airport, going over to Bern, Switzerland to catch up with the Swiss National Bank. So we will speak to Guy, catch up with Guy tomorrow. At the close today, the FTSE 100 did close lower, down by four-tenths of 1%. The equity benchmark in Frankfurt, Germany, a little lighter as well, down a third of 1%. In the United States, the S&P 500, also a little softer, down a quarter of 1%. And the tech-heavy Nasdaq, negative four-tenths of 1%. In the FX market, sterling weaker the pound against the US dollar down by around about three tenths of one percent in the bond market treasuries with a bid yields lower by two basis points on a 10 year on a two-year note we come down five basis points after the inflation read comes in just a little bit lighter than expected. A slight downside surprise on US CPI, your last inflationary read before the FOMC decision next week. The other data points to watch, Thursday, OPEC issuing its monthly oil report. Look out for all of that, plus a Chinese data dump to industrial production and retail sales. Then on to Friday, where your main event is a ton of US eco data, industrial production, University of Michigan consumer sentiment numbers and retail sales as well. So, Sarah, let's talk about it, how we're set up for an FOMC decision next week, both the economic data and in the markets.
5: Friday is absolutely going to be a big one, especially when we come to terms with the fact that the last time we got the jobs report, the payroll report, it wasn't very pretty, just a gain of 75000 And that was really offset by some revisions as well. So we really didn't see any jobs gains. Now, the Fed has said time and time again that they are data-dependent. And the case to be made, especially for... The rally we saw after a week jobs report was that that just gives the Fed more onus to cut rates. Same thing with CPI today, inflation coming in, really not showing up. Also, many investors saying that gives the Fed more of an onus to cut rates. Well, what happens if you get data on Friday that is very weak. I mean, we have seen some weakness in retail sales in the past couple of months. Yeah. Many people blaming the government shutdown or weather. But how long can you continue to blame these factors if you do see a rollover? Also, University of Michigan consumer sentiment. I mean, the last time that data point came out, it was a 15-year high. It was unbelievable. So it'll be interesting to see if we finally start to see everything going on on the tariff front potentially feed into confidence metrics as well because we haven't seen that quite yet um, but it's hard to really gauge how strategists how markets investors are going to interpret this data if it is a little bit rough is it still the point that bad news is good news because that means the Federal cut or if you continue to see weak economic data is that really something to worry about
0: what if the data is good going into the FOMC decision (laughs) next week.
5: It's so hard to read. I mean, I I would imagine at this point that if you get good data at this point that isn't stellar, but is still in line with expectations, not rolling over, then that's still fine because you're still on a trajectory, on a path where we are seeing slowing growth that might be enough for the Fed to cut rates. But at the same time, the economy is not falling apart. Because that's really the point here. The bad data is only good news for the Fed to cut if it's not horrible. I mean, you can't get horrible data at this point because that starts to beg the question, well, are you not seeing inflation turn up because we're not seeing demand? And are we just not seeing good economic data because maybe the last hike was too much? Are we already too far gone that even if the Fed cuts, then we can't fix the issues that we may be seeing. But the data hasn't been that bad yet, which is why I think a lot of people are still in the arena where they can interpret that data as good.
0: I've been asking this question for a couple of days now. Could we really see the Federal Reserve tear up a rate with stocks in and around all-time highs? And the truth is, history suggests that you can. History doesn't really tell you much as to what happens next. So we really are in a unknown territory in, in more ways than one. It is always different to some degree. It is always different. Sarah, great to catch up with you. Always, As always. Next up on the program, I'll bring you an interview with Paul Tudor Jones, legendary investor. We caught up with him a little bit earlier today on Bloomberg Radio.
2: This is The Cable with Jonathan Farrow and Guy Johnson. On Bloomberg Radio.
0: This is The Cable, live across the capital on DAB Digital Radio. Earlier today, Tom Keaton and I spoke with Paul Tudor-Jones, Tudor Investment founder, co-chairman, and CIO. He discussed his Just Capital Invest breakfast, as well as markets and the Fed.
6: Just Capital is something that's been a long time coming in the sense that um, what we do is we ask the American public, how do you define justness? in a corporation so every year we go out and poll a perfectly demographic sample we ask the american public they tell us what's important we turn those into metrics we collect over two hundred thousand different data streams from the top one thousand publicly traded companies in the united states we use the american public's uh, indications and beliefs to rank those thousand companies from one to a thousand on justness and we put that out there so that all the stakeholders employees investors customers can have an understanding of who their counterparty is in business how they are doing and align themselves with the values that are most important to the public and the great news is that in our rankings those that rank the highest on issues such as worker pay and treatment uh, Products are they socially beneficial? Good quality, good cost. Um, cu- customers, how do you treat them? Those that rank the highest are also the companies that have the highest return on equity and have the best stock price performance. So, by being just, by aligning yourselves with the values of the American public, you make money too. Um, and it's a, it's a, it's just a fantastic thing. It was something that. When we first started the the Just Capital, we didn't necessarily understand or anticipate this, but it's turned out to be a wonderful outcome.
0: Our audience is itching for us to get your views on financial markets as well. I have one final question here, though, whether this works both ways, whether we need to do a better job, Paul, of, of really communicating that business and markets can be a force for good. Do you think we're doing a good enough job of that right now?
6: No, I think we're failing, which is why, hopefully, Just Capital can step in the void in our rankings. We have a... Ranking we take the top 100 companies. We give them a seal They're just now in the last two years. We're only five years old and just in the last two years They've started to adopt that seal put it on their products Hopefully customers will start to see it when they go to box uh, buy a box of uh, Cornflakes maybe ones from a company that is just or that's in the top 100 ones not Hopefully yeah. they'll choose and they'll they'll vote with their pocketbooks for justice
0: to markets rate cut 101 trades. Do you think now's the time?
6: Well, I th- uh, certainly if you look at how the markets are pricing, uh, now would be the time. The question is, Is are we going to play out like we have uh, in history? And I think the answer to that is probably yes. So Ray Cut 101 is your long treasuries, your long stocks at least initially, your long gold for sure. You're short the dollar, um, and I think that's kind of the kind of yeah. portfolio you want to have on right now.
2: Paul Tudor Jones, Lewis Bacon, Monroe Trout, all the rest. Trend trading, the idea of getting on a trend and having the mental setup to stay on the trend. Does it work now like it used to work? Is there too much information now? Is the system bollocksed up enough where trend-based trading doesn't work like it used to?
6: Well, one of the reasons that trend-based trading used to work so well, if you think about it, um, 1980, we had, we had three central banks that had 45 different rate moves in one year. So compare that to now when you're at zero rates, and I think we had four last year, mm-hmm. and all of those were from the U.S. central bank. So... Trend trading works when central banks are on the move. And when central banks are stuck at zero brand right. bounds, you, don't it, elf,
2: it, you don't have the elf, you don't have the volume. The environment's right.
6: different, right?
2: A great theory of yours, what Ed Thorpe would call anti-Martingale theory, is you're in a trade, you're at a loss, and the amateurs load the boat on the loss position because of the belief it's going to go up. You don't do that,
6: do you? No. No, no, no. What I, do you do when you're at a loss? Oh, I cut. Oh, you know, before the, you cut
2: what do you do is you observe a loss and you need to make a decision give us the paul tudor jones mechanism of that well
6: the i think it starts way before that before you ever enter a trade you figure out what do i think my reward is what do i think my risk is my my favorite my favorite metric whenever i go back and i i, I go back to the university of virginia every year i half for 30 years and I uh, sit in a lecture at a couple of different finance classes and I always say, "Okay, listen, you don't need to go to business school. Here's all you need to know. 5 to 1." I look around. What does 5 to 1 mean? They all look at me. It's I guess they think I'm some kind of an alien. I go, "5 means you're going to risk a dollar to make 5. So you can have an 80% loss rate. You can uh you can you can lose four times, but as long as that one time you hold on, you make the $5 you end up with a net profit." So when I ever enter a trade, I already know where I'm going to take my loss. And it just becomes nothing more than uh, like going shopping. You, you know that when you're going to go there, what you're going to get. I know where before I ever put a trade on what my stopout point is. So for me, it's not monitoring. It's just, um, it's really trade construction. That's the most important thing. And that starts before you ever execute.
0: So I've got to get onto some of the trades right now, just very quickly. Short the dollar, at some point long stocks, at least initially. It's the initially I'm interested in. How do you come up with the time frame, the initially part of it? What's the thinking that goes into that?
6: So we're already in, in the initially phase, right? The the rate cut 101's been going on since they stopped hiking in December. So um we're in that phase right now. We should be yeah. long stocks right now. We're probably gonna go make a new high. My guess is that we're going right. to we're gonna go into beyond the rate cut and continue yeah. into new high ground.
0: It was Paul Tudor-Jones, Tudor Investment Founder, Co-Chairman and CIO, speaking to Tom Keane and myself a little bit earlier today just before he delivered a Just Capital Invest breakfast here at Bloomberg at our headquarters in New York City. And he gave us his thoughts on the markets and the Federal Reserve. Much more from Paul Tudor-Jones available to you online and on the Bloomberg as he caught up with not just us but also on Bloomberg TV as well. Look out for all of that. So much to get through. What an exciting week ahead of retail sales on Friday and a big Fed decision next week. We'll catch up with Guy from Switzerland tomorrow. I'm Jonathan Farrow here in New York. This was The Cable. This is Bloomberg Radio.